You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Pod. First and goal from the seven. Here's Barkley. Barkley into the end zone for a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Happy Thanksgiving, Grump, and to everybody out there. We are recording on a Thanksgiving night. We should be watching Steelers Ravens, but you know, this is 2020 and that's not happening. So we can kind of sit back and think about what we saw football today as we were, you know, isolated in all of our homes watching football and having our very small meals. So before we start, happy Thanksgiving to you and Oh well, well thank you. I if I know you well enough, this I'm getting I'm getting the cranky fan post nap. This is this is not the cranky oh. fan. This is the nice full jolly fan. You I'm are getting. getting cranky fan version three after his <laughs> first naps today. I uh had a nice nap, I would say, oh, I don't know, third quarter of the first game, and then another one I'd say early fourth quarter of the Cowboy game. So I am well-rested. I have a uh, I have a very early flight tomorrow down to Gainesville for the Florida-Kentucky game, if that game even happens. Apparently, Kentucky has 17 players who have either COVID or are being in a quarantine. So I have a feeling I'm going to be flying down there, turning around and flying home, but that's tomorrow's problem. So, and I'm sure we're all wearing sweatpants or some other elastic <laughs> band, uh, bottom. I got my under armor's arm right now, under armor <laughs> shorts, and they are stretched out around <laughs> my barrel. <laughs> I love this holiday. It's, yeah, it really is. You know what? And I'm I'm gonna hot take this. You know, Steelers Ravens. That that was the fun game to watch tonight, and that that sucks. I like Thanksgiving with only two games. I don't need a game right now at this time of night. I I agree with you. I mean, you know, and again, I've been doing Thanksgiving now for 47 years, and uh, you know, you have a routine of what you do. You get to whoever's house you're going to be at you know, around kickoff. And, you know, that, that first game is always kind of like the, you don't really care that much. It's always, it's always the lions and some probably AFC team. You really don't even give a shit about It's, you know, then you have your dinner and then right after dinner, then we get into watching Dallas lose and, you know, rooting against them. So by that case, you're coming home Thursday night, you're driving back from wherever you're on the train or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I, 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 I I like the two games. The three is not necessary. We have enough football during the week. It's not like it's it's not like a uh, New Year's Day with twelve bowl games and you're just watching from eleven to eleven. It's I I, I think well, it's the thing enough. is is that like New Year's Day is like you are curing on the couch all day. Thanksgiving to me is not a couch holiday. Like I mean, I'm milling around and beer in one hand and cheese and crackers in the other hand for the first half of the game and then then we're sitting at the table and kind of craning our necks to look at the TV in the other room we're, yeah, we're but that's, eating that, and then, but that's but, couchy. I mean is it, I mean yeah. yeah it's kind of couchy but like it's not it's not the same. you don't spend new year's day with people really I mean like thanksgiving is too social for me to just be parked in one spot so I like the two games I like the fact that I'm kind of watching a little bit here and there and if it's the giants on which has happened a couple times recently uh you know I don't mind being like I'm gonna sit on the couch and eat my stuff. You guys can come talk to me if you want, but I'm I'm sitting here. I'm watching. But like for that night game, like like you said, you're driving home. You're on the train. You're just doing shit. Like, you're, you're, like you mentioned, you're, you're you're napping somewhere in there. Like yeah, your food combing. It's kind of done. So yeah, I, I get that. And and again, they try to make that. Usually, it's actually the marquee matchup of the three. And you know, yeah, gets, I know, but. That's always that's always an NBC game. They like to get the cream of the crop every week. And and remember, like Thursday games, even though there aren't Thanksgiving, the quality of play on a Thursday is not very good. And this year held up its end of the bargain of two games that were poorly played, poorly prepared, poorly coached. And we can talk about both of those. Yeah, one a little game bit that didn't right happen. <laughs> so yeah. poorly prepared that they couldn't even have it. 
Um, yeah, so before we get into anything, you know, the Detroit game has no significance whatsoever on our New York Giants, so not really worth talking about too much other than the fact that those are two teams that probably are looking for new head coaches at the end Ugh. of the year, which you know All may right. or may not have an impact on the Giants. Who knows? But the bigger thing was the NFC East matchup. Well, one quick thing before we move on to that. Um, if you are Lions, do you really seriously think about moving on from Matthew Stafford at this point? I mean, uh, Stafford? Yeah. Uh, I mean – I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you can make a case that it's time and you cut bait now while you're ahead instead of waiting for him to wane out his final five or less years. I don't think he's completely washed where he can't do stuff. You know what I mean? I, I think he is a good enough quarterback to get you where you need to go. Um, he is but what's not, that? I mean, he's been with them for, you know, what this I'm is saying what... is he, he hasn't lost what he's always been. I mean, we can argue about whether or not he's good or he's shitty or he's just average or whatever he is, but he is now basically what he was five years ago and three years before that. He's not – we're not looking at the Manning decline and arm strength no, kind of no. thing. So I'm saying you can make an argument that, sure, let's trade him. I don't know what his contract situation's like, but you can say let's cut bait with him. Get a new coach, get a new GM if you need to. I don't know what their GM situation's like. Well, let me, and get let me a new ask. quarterback and package it all up. You can make that argument, or you can make the argument that you kick the can down the road for another three years if you feel like it. Let me ask you a question then. Is there a team out there that's a quarterback away from making the next step? And would Stafford be that guy? Would would like New Orleans, for example, if they decide, you know, well, Jameis isn't the answer and and, and uh, you know, they well, I mean, I they, wouldn't take Stafford over Drew Brees. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, let's say the, the Drew Brees era is, is ending in the next year or so, most likely. He's getting old, you know, he doesn't have the arm strength anymore, he's hurt, this, that, and the other. Is, is, is Stafford the type of guy who can take a team that's just a quarterback away from not being a playoff team but being a Super Bowl-caliber team, or is he just, he is what he is? I mean, this is him, regardless if he's with, the Lions, or if he's with a team that's has bigger aspirations, um, it would have to be the right makeup of team. I mean, uh, I see what you're saying. I mean, he's not he's not a hired gun kind of guy, right? Um, I see what you mean, but you know, at the same time, I think teams like the Titans would rather have him than Tannehill. To a certain extent, think, I think the you think so. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Tannehill's fine, but I think Stafford is a little bit better throwing the ball. Tannehill's fine. He's okay. Um, he's a threat to be reckoned with, but if they don't have the running game that they have to lean on, I, I wouldn't want Tannehill to try and throw me back into the game. Yeah, but, but we're talking about, but they are what they are, though. I mean, like, that's the, that's this team. And again, I'm not talking about a team that's going to, I'm going to get Stafford, I'm going to, I'm going to build around him for the next three years. I'm talking about a what team I'm, What that, I'm saying is that if, if, the Titans play a team that shuts down the running game. They're pretty much fucked. I mean, Tannehill is not winning. But if you have a guy like Stafford back there, you can throw your way back into the game. You know, so, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think to a certain extent the 49ers would rather have him. Um, I mean, that will never happen given the amount of money they've already invested in Garoppolo. But right. you know, Jimmy G has at this point been injured for more games than he's been in. And, yeah. uh, you know... He's he's also he's good, but he's not another one who's going to just chuck it down the field to get you back into games. I, not in my opinion. He's he's a good quarterback, but that's it. There's no there's real low incremental increase to go to Stafford from them. So that's what I'm saying. I think his options are kind of limited. I mean, he is what he is. Stafford's a guy that if you play fantasy football, or you play FanDuel, he's perfectly great for you. He can still give you he'll give you 300 yards. He'll give you two touchdowns all the time, but well, I don't know. Do you think New England would like him? Ooh. Now you're talking. I mean, right? Like, you know, that's a division that you can at least sneak in a wild card. Because Miami sure. is I, – I, I'm, I'm still not really sure what Miami is. Not not, not in 2020, but maybe yeah, – No, yeah, yeah, But in 2020. Maybe next year and the year after, that's one thing. But right now, no. But, yeah, I mean, would you rather have him than uh, – Cam? Than uh, – yeah, I think Absolutely. I would. I would. Absolutely. I've never been totally sold on Cam. Um, just so I, I mean, I remember when he came in the draft, and uh, who the fuck? Who was it? Who was the 
he Cam was picked first overall, but they were making a serious claim that somebody else who was not even a quarterback should have been drafted or could have been drafted first. Von Miller was second. Yes, Von Miller. Um, I I would have taken Cam Newton over Von Miller. But but yeah. Well, it's also it's a good draft. I mean, it's a, the, the the top five it, right there with Miller, Darius AG, Green, Green, Peterson, Julio Jones, Julio Jones. Yeah. Tyron Smith was nine. This, JJ Watt JJ was Watt 11. Was 11. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is a pretty serious. Mike Pouncey, very solid uh, tackle. Nate Solder, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, so was, that, this is that's a solid. That's a solid, solid draft. Um. Yeah, I just I remember that being the debate uh, was were you taking Von Miller or Cam Newton, uh, and that that was a real debate you could have had. I mean, Cam had one year at Auburn, two years at Auburn, uh, one year. Yeah, he only had the one year, and you know whatever. We're but getting that, off track. That, I'm just saying that, I've never been fully sold on Cam Newton. Well, I for what Cam Newton, how he translates to the NFL, I've never been completely sold on. I mean, for that one college year was one of those transcendent years where it was one of the best dominating years you've ever seen from a college quarterback from what he did. Uh, he single-handedly took a very average Auburn team and won a national championship yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, he always, you know, always seemed like a guy like... He still he, looks like the guy who was coming out. The same gripes with yeah. him with his accuracy, you know, his demeanor. Um, Surety. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, he doesn't necessarily take to coaching that well. You know, I, I have my same issues with him. We're getting a little bit off track, but I, me personally, if I'm picking... Stafford or Cam Newton to run my office, I, I, I would take Stafford. Those are my two options. I'd take Stafford. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um, nevertheless, Detroit sucks. Uh, they might be yeah. looking for a new head coach. That might impact the Giants <laughs> as the Giants have a staff that is filled with former head coaches all over the place. Um, That's true. Well, we knew that. We knew – we really were hoping – and I think our goal was that when Joe Judge came up with this staff, it was to get – him ready to launch what he's trying to do and give him and i think there may be some diminishing returns for that over year two and year three having a lot of cooks in the kitchen and i think the greatest impact of having so many former head coaches and and, and coordinators on there is to kind of establish what they're trying to do especially in a year like this which would be unlike any other year going forward so you know if a jason garrett decides to move on or you know you know, whoever, you know, I don't think that the loss is as significant as it would be in the very beginning. So, and that's, that's football. I mean, coaches move on, you know, that's, it's, it's, this is very rare to see coaching staff stay for an extended period of time. So how hilarious people have been talking about for the last couple of years now is Jim Harbaugh going to return to the NFL. And part of me is like, who wants him? He has like completely flamed out in, in college. Well, I well, well, I guarantee you somebody will want him back in the NFL. I'm I mean, talking about, had, would you? Yes. Really? But but my thing is with Jim Harbaugh, I am not bringing Jim Harbaugh in at, for a team that's like three and thirteen and say, okay, I'm going to give you free reign for the next five years because he has a proven track record. Whether it's Stanford, whether it's you know the. Um, the Niners now at Michigan where he has a short shelf life where he outstays his welcome pretty quickly. He gets very successful and then, then, you know, the, the wheels fall off. And again, the standard at Michigan is two things, three things, really beat Ohio state, win the big 10, win the national championship. He's failed at all three because, well, to be fair to him, he is up against Ohio State in that same conference, which is one of the three, you know, Mount Rushmore's of college football right now. They are a they're a dynasty in their own. So it's not like, you know, he's failed because he can't beat Northwestern one year and then he can't beat Iowa one year. And it's just he's just run up against something that's better than him. But but what happens is when you get to year four and year five. That message, if you know, you keep losing, the noise starts an internal noise in college. And then, you know, he always was a guy who felt like he was entitled and, you know, and a holier than thou guy as it is. 
coming back to his own college, his own alma mater, where he really thought his shit wasn't going to stink, his time is time to move on. Now, a team that's, you know, the Jets, would I bring him there? Absolutely not, because he will never be as effective in the, the time needed to, to bring them back to be A, respectable, B, a Super Bowl contender. But a team like, I don't know, what, what, what's a good team right now that's almost fringy playoff, has talent, underachieving, could use a good kick in the ass? I don't know. Houston? Houston, absolutely. I mean, somewhere where I need I need this guy to be invested and everybody happy for three years. I absolutely would bring him back. And he'll get another shot somewhere. He won't get another shot in college, but somebody will open up the checkbook. What about what about Atlanta? A, a team like that? Yeah, could be. What about if what about if uh Well I was no, just, I was just I drew this connection because I thought how funny would it be for him to go just to Detroit? That that'd be irony could be ironic sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Well, also another team I just thought of it was who has the oldest coach in the league, Seattle. I mean, yeah. I mean they still have a franchise quarterback. Defense is suffering this year, but you know they they're not a complete rebuild. You know he comes in there for a couple of years with, with Russell Wilson could be interesting. So there will be options for him. He he will be back. Um, he's just. His market value is a little low because of the perception of, you know, and again, now going to double overtime against Rutgers isn't helping anything. But I think when it comes to run away, run away train, when it's over, it's over. And it's that's kind of what's happening right now with him. On the flip <laughs> side of things, to stuff a little bit more relevant to our Just Giant yes. podcast. We'll, we'll get back there. Yeah. <laughs> Dallas and Washington faced off for first place in the NFC East. Uh, which is, you know, we, we kind of covered the basics of what the implications were of this game and who we we're rooting for, right? I mean, ideal situation was Washington wins this game because we have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, and uh, lo and behold, that's what happened. Now, this game was a comedy of errors. And um, I think that fan bases are reacting a little heavily to a game that only matters for well, I mean in a certain sense it doesn't matter this was the best case scenario because if we have to tie with any team the team we want to tie with is Washington uh, so so I mean that's kind of, but this is all a way off right the Giants at this point need to win games they are not that's forget, forget tiebreakers we are we have plenty of games to play there's six games left and also forget about these hypothetical well, you know, the best team in the division right now might be Washington. That is completely irrelevant. We're not playing them anymore this yeah, year. Doesn't matter. We're not we're not worrying about what Washington does. We're not battling them for a wild card spot. It's very simple. We can completely control our own destiny. We just need to win. And you know, if Washington is a better team than us, well, you know something? A, they didn't beat us twice when we played them and it doesn't matter going forward. So, you're going to hear a lot of recency bias of oh they may they they are the best team in the division and you know you know let's hear I mean uh, Troy Aikman was basically filleting uh, Ron Rivera in the final four minutes of the game and it's like relax you know let's... did everyone forget that this fucking guy went for two against the Giants and lost them the game yeah did we just like we're we're just letting that go now I mean we. We were roasting him right after that. They had us. They yeah. absolutely had all of the momentum. They had a game-tying touchdown. And instead of tying the game and bringing it to overtime to win it, they decided to go for it all because I don't know why. And they put it all. They put the whole game on the line for that, and they lost. And if they had done that, if they did win that game, there wouldn't even be a debate on who the best team in the NFC East was because they would have a two-game lead over us. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and also in this game today, they were up 11. I think there was eight or nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they went for it. And it was long. It would have been a long field goal attempt, or they could have even punted. But that was a bold, gutsy decision that I think was kind of foolish. You know, it was didn't really get the um, you know the Aikman play and the uh, and the Joe Buck like questioning decision, but 
coaches, I, I, this whole mindset, even fans do it all the time. It's like, well, if you get it, end the game right here. That's not how coaches normally think. Go, coaches want to make it as hard as possible for the other team to come back. And if they don't get that fourth down and Dallas gets the ball back at pretty good, you know, maybe on their own 35, 38-yard line, only down 11, and they score really quickly, they're right back in the game. So Ryan Rivera, you know, he's been very underwhelming to me as a head coach this year. This decision-making has been very questionable. I mean, you can you can say riverboat all you want, but to me it's foolish and it's arrogant. And you, you don't have the talent to, to back up some of these decisions. You're going to lose games like the Giant game, and you could put yourself in a position you have no business being in a position to lose this game today. It worked out for him, but there's no reason to be risky like that. So There is a huge different for, difference between going for it on fourth and one or two when you have a Tom Brady-led offense versus a one-and-a-half-legged Alex Smith leg offense. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there is a time where you know that you can you know, put the boot to the throat to another team because you have that offensive firepower. That's not the team. You're a three-win no. team. You are yeah. not that... I mean, I know Dallas is what they're... Forget all that. Your team is not that good. And right. you're not... You know, those decisions, they come with your firepower. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like bluffing with one bullet in the chamber you know yeah i don't know it's it... football is not an ego contest and it's not some way to kind of puff up your chest and say you know i i had somebody text me today during the game and basically say right when that play get a yard if you can't get a yard you don't deserve to win no that's not the mentality of it it's like if you don't think you can get the yard coach around what you need to do to win it's not who has the bigger crank it's what do you do to win? So, you know, it worked out for him again, like I said, but I personally, you know, I, it might've been a little far for field goal range, but I personally would have punted. <laughs> I would have pinned them back, say, okay, five and a half minutes. You need to score. You need, you need two touchdowns with your anemic offense and then your shitty defense. Do it twice and beat me. But, you know, it worked out for him. So, you know, now they're in first place. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reason why. Look, guys, don't re- don't overreact to this too much. A, we don't play Washington anymore. What they are, what they do is irrelevant. The Giants need to win games to get in the playoffs. Period. Full stop right there. If the Giants want to get in the playoffs, they have to win some games. So forget about what the rest of the division is doing at this point. The only time that matters is when we play Dallas Week 17. That's right. the only time the other division teams matter. We're not at the point now where... They just have to. The Giants just have to keep winning as often as the rest of the division. You know what I mean? Right. If they if they maintain this tie with with Washington, they're in. If they maintain a tie with Dallas and win Week 17, they're in. You know, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, they 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 are what they are. Most of their division games are behind them right now. They just need to win games. Also, please remember, Dallas lost a day of practice this week on a short week. These Thursday games are always a fucking mess. They're always. Always, always one of two things. A comedy of errors or a complete and total blowout. This one was actually kind of both. Um, And, you know, on top of that, they're both bad teams. So it just, it looked like a total shit show because guess what? It was a total shit show. This was, (laughs) I mean, don't overreact. Dallas is not really all that different than they were a week ago. Where Dallas, people, pe- Dallas where, no literally a couple of days ago, people were saying, watch out for Dallas. They have the easiest schedule left in the NFC East, and their defense is starting to figure it out. And, you know, Andy Dalton's coming back and all this. That was the narrative, like, earlier this – that was, like, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So, and, those- and now we're just going to flip the switch and say that they're terrible and Mike McCarthy's a doofus and Andy Dalton's yeah. no good and this defense can't do shit. That's not how it works. They are yeah. still – it's a short week. Everything's fucking weird. You know, Dallas sucks just as much as they did earlier Sunday and just as much as they did week three. You know, we'll worry about Dallas when we have to do the episode in January or whenever it is. The the anomaly of the Cowboys season was last Sunday when those fucking assholes won and knocked me out of my survivor pools and they won in Minnesota. I mean, that is that was an impressive win against a pretty decent team. But if you want to take the sample size of the entire season, they have been awful pretty much all year. I mean, again, 
they have had some significant injuries like a lot of teams have, and it's probably caused them to be worse than they really are. But the bottom line is you are what you are, and they are not a very good team. They have a very bad defense. They are not being coached very well. I don't think this team is buying into what uh, McCarthy and Mike Nolan are trying to do, and it's pretty obvious. And, uh, you know, they're playing a backup quarterback, a backup quarterback who – Again, a little bit you can put Andy Dalton into that Matt Stafford kind of nice numbers, nice stats, wins regular season games, but you know, do you really trust him in a big spot? No. So that's where we are. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Even more interesting is Andy Dalton was the former starting quarterback for the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, who the Giants play at one o'clock on Sunday in Cincinnati. I was trying to lead you to, to uh, drink out of the uh, out of the water. The carrot right in front of me, and I, you know, I'm still full and, from Thanksgiving. So you gotta like smack me in the face with the carrot. Nice uh, job, Bugs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Joe Burrow goes down. Ryan Finley comes in last week. He plays like shit. I'm all prepared to to. I have all my notes about when Ryan Finley was drafted. I did all this scout work on him. I did. I have this whole fucking thing typed up, and like like. I don't know. Two hours later, the news breaks that Cincinnati is starting Brandon Allen at quarterback, and I have to delete all of the work I just did and start over. <laughs> so, look, this is not a gimme game. Um, I didn't know that much about Brandon Allen other than I remember he went to Arkansas. So maybe you remember him in his college days. Um, but... I went back and I watched all of his games when he played for Denver last year, which was three games for Joe Flacco. Um, This dude is not a total, complete scrub. And there's a reason he's being picked over Ryan Finley. Um, He has the physical tools to play quarterback. You know, there's a reason he was drafted. There was a reason he was in the SEC. And there's a reason that he was drafted in the sixth round and wasn't. Well, it's Arkansas, so let's not get crazy. All right, cool. <laughs> um, but look, the dude has a cannon for an arm, and he flashes uh, accuracy. Uh, you know, I was like, watching this game, I was like, oh my god, he's how have I not really followed this guy that much? And then, then I saw it. Then you get three, four passes that are brilliant, and then like two that are a mile over somebody's head. Um and then the other thing is, the other thing is, on the move, he looks great on the move. You know, he, he's very good at running with the football. He's very good at keeping his eyes downfield and and throwing, uh, and throwing with pretty good accuracy. Where he sucks, um, it looks to me, and it's it's difficult to tell um, if this is because of preparation or the fact that he was thrown in for injury. But regardless, it doesn't matter because he is being thrown in for injury. But he looked very first reedy. He, d- he didn't look like he's standing back in the pocket and he's got two and a half, three and a half seconds to scan the field and work through his progressions. It was very much like one, two, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then like his he, he, the, the pressure in his face, it, all of his pocket mechanics completely break down. He's getting ready for a hit that may not even be coming. Um, well, part of, that, part of that also is the problem why we have a backup quarterback in Cincinnati to begin with. Their offensive line is terrible. And, you know, this, you know, all these quarterbacks practice with these same shitty offensive linemen throughout the week. So they know, you know, they're not going to have these, these pockets and lanes and time to throw all day that they would like to. So, you know, that's, you know, if we should win this game because of the fundamental problems of this team beyond just having, not having their, you know, franchise quarterback in, they, 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 their offensive line is really, really bad. Yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is Brandon Allen was named the starting quarterback early enough in the week for them to devise a game plan for him. Now, these things that are wrong with him, with pressure in his face, pocket mechanics, working through progressions, that's not going to change with him. I I doubt. I mean, we haven't seen him since he changed uh, teams, changed offenses, but I seriously doubt that he has somehow worked through that in the four years that he's worked, played in the NFL. When you draft Joe Burrow as your number one draft pick, number one pick overall in the draft, the vast majority of the time, effort, resources, you know, reps, 
practice time, instruction, all of that's going to go to him. They're not going to worry about the backup or the third string quarterback on a team to re-engineer what that guy does. They bring him in because he has very he has a cannon. They can throw him in there for a week if they have to, throw him in for a couple series if they have to, and that's that. If it ever comes down to a situation like now where they're like, oh shit, where Joe Burrow may not even play in 2021, I don't expect that a guy like him may be your starting quarterback next year. It's, it's a placeholder for right now. So we're fortunate that we, you know, we will face a guy who has not been prepared all year and, you know, is just kind of winging it like on first, second, first reads and, you know, very simplified offense, much more simple than when Joe Burrow was there. But, you know, that's a break that we actually get. Well, that said, I can guarantee you that there is a game plan that is specifically tailored to getting him uh, out of trouble. And that is quick looks and they will take shots downfield because he can do it. I mean, they have firepower on the outside. We can talk about how the offensive line isn't very good for this team, but they have A.J. Green. They have Higgins. They have Boyd. They have firepower on the outside. They can stretch the field, and he has the arm to do it. They we will. Have, we, des- have, we have the time to do it, though. That's the question. Well, I mean, like I said, he's good on the move. If they design the play for him to get out of the pocket with some misdirection handoff, and then you know he bootlegs out and throws a bomb downfield, they can they can find. What I'm saying is that this game is going to come down to coaching. This game is coaching right here. They Zach Taylor is not a dumbass. I, I, I didn't know much about him going into last year or whatever, but he's proven to me that he is a capable, very creative, smart mind. This isn't Marvin Lewis just, you know, on autopilot for 15 years anymore in this team. <laughs> They've moved on. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he should be, I expect him to be, studying Patrick Graham's defense, looking for ways for them to work Allen's skill set into minimizing what he needs to do. They're going to try and score early enough and then bank on some defense and some running game to shorten this game and get them out of hell. Um, You know, that can happen. I don't want to say it's a trap game because it feels weird to even say that a three-win team is falling into a trap game. Um, But this is a game that's going to... if Judge and Graham and and Garrett are not prepared for this game, they will lose. They yeah, will. This is all about preparation. We're not good enough to to assume a victory over anybody in this league, and I'm talking about even the Jets or anyone. That you know, we are incrementally getting better every week. We're taking the two steps up, one step back as we go. But this team is a lot better than it was five weeks ago. We're still not a very good football team, and you know we still have a young quarterback where mistakes can be made. We still have a very young offensive line where there can be you know missed assignments and not With a new good coach. gap control and not good gap. Yeah, exactly. So you know, don't we are in no position to assume anything. And you know, these always feel like once a year we lay these complete turds on the road, and it's usually like when we go to Detroit, we go to Cincinnati. Go to Arizona. We go somewhere where we should win, and it's like, what was that? <laughs> and this kind of feels like this could be a what was that? You know, as soon as we start talking about divisions and worrying about you know, Dallas versus Washington, and we just spent the beginning of the show talking about we just need to win, that's the fastest way that we fuck up and we lose, and it's like, oh, yeah. we slept. It's no gimme for us to take care of our own business, so – that would be my fear right now is just, you know, can this team handle any sort of, you know, good feeling right now and just, you know, stick to doing what they've been doing and, you know, keeping, you know, penalties to a minimum turnovers have been down more offensive line is playing together. You know, the rookies are playing better. Daniel Jones has more of a command of the offense. The, we're opening up more of the playbook. You're, you're seeing good things happening. Special teams are, are doing good. We just don't want to see us drop, fall back to a not a very good team just because we just lay it herd tomorrow or, or Sunday. This is a situation where I'm very happy that we have Patrick Graham because playing up against a a quarterback who's going to have to go in with a very strict game plan um, 
that allows Graham to do the things I think. I mean, the things that I think Graham is very good at play against um, a squeamish quarterback or or somebody who's not going to handle pressure or disguises or anything like that. So I, I think their best shot right now is to play tight and disguise coverages and take away Allen's first reads and get in his fucking face. Disguise yeah. blitzes, you know, come at him from every which way, get right in his – blitz the A-gap. Just go right in his face. Take chances. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he beats us once or twice on a deep pass, I'm willing to accept that. But I think our best – make life difficult for him three out of every four throws. I like where our secondary has been playing. I mean, we haven't really been burned for deep balls lately. No. So, I mean or- – I mean, we not even so much being burned deep, but just we're not seeing as many guys just roaming free, like yeah. you know. Oh my slant god! Like last year, yeah, like a slant where there's nobody around him for 15, 20 yards. That is, that is as important, if not more important, than somebody just getting burnt down the sideline or something. And the Giants might get a significant boost to their defense. Uh, O'Shane Ziminis might be returning. I believe he is a possible return for Sunday. He is not yet designated for that. Uh, for some pressure from the opposite side of Fackrell. Xavier McKinney might be back finally after his foot fracture. I would kind of temper any sort of expectations for somebody like that. Please remember that this is a completely green rookie. You know, he has had no actual practice for a very long time. And also, when he does come back, don't expect him to play 75 snaps either. Yeah, he he's going to be drips and drabs. Right, exactly. Um, but Tay Crowder, and Tay Crowder is a very, I mean, again, it, it's weird for me to say this. The few snaps that he has been able to play this year, he showed himself to be a good coverage linebacker and also a good blitzing linebacker. Um, that's the kind of, and this is a good game to get him in. You know, this is a good game for him to get his feet wet where I'm not too worried about, like, say, Tampa Bay. I wouldn't, you know, if that was his first game back was playing Tampa Bay with Brait and uh, Gronk and fucking Godwin and the Evans, all the weapons that they have down there, that's a lot to ask for somebody coming back off injury in his first year, Mr. Irrelevant, whatever. And, and they're going to look for him right away yeah, and exactly. try to you know, go after this is, him. This is a good game for him to make some mistakes, you know, a little bit. And I'm talking like this is a gimme. I don't mean that. I'm just saying if, if he goes in this game, makes a couple of mistakes and needs to be pulled, that's fine. I don't think that a, a mistake here or there is losing this game. Point made. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Giants will have to play without Graham Gano, I believe. Um Matt Parrott, which is a big loss. Caden Smith, which is a big loss. And Dante Pettis, which is a no loss. Um, but, you know, we're at that time of the season where people get a lot of injuries anyway, and everybody's dealing with COVID issues. Yeah, you know, true. Some are shredded. Some have some. But, I mean, we are week 12 of 2020. And, you know, something – it's just going to be – it's a battle of who can stay the healthiest or the least – you know, banged up and least the least amount of attrition, and we just you just have to deal with that stuff. And you know, so far, relatively so good. I mean, there's some significant names you have there, but nothing that's like really a a game changer not being there. Yeah, you know, it's no Saquon Barkley, it's no Joe Burrow. You know, it's no Daniel Jones. Yeah. It's no, it's it's you know, so knock on wood for the next you know final four weeks of the season, the next couple, you know, three weeks in the playoffs and the Super Bowl, the Giants can stay healthy long enough to, you know, win the championship. So, <laughs> um, so you know, along those lines, thankfully, it looks like Kevin Zeitler is making fast progress on his concussion protocol. He's been a full practice for two days now. Um, it didn't really look like he got rocked all that hard, you know, in when he was pulled. Uh, you know, these things are finicky, but you know, yeah, we there, don't there know. are certain I, I I know we don't know anything, but there are certain plays usually with like wide receivers just on timing routes with safeties just getting absolutely their clock cleaned where you know that they are not coming back next week. You know, it's 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 incredibly it would be nuts for them to recover from a concussion and pass all the protocols uh, that quickly. I saw it in the Florida Georgia game with Kyle Pitts, hopefully a future 
New York Giant tight end, but he got rocked in the head in the Georgia game, and you knew right away we're not going to see him for three weeks. And sure enough, we haven't seen him since. So you're, you're right. But for, for things like what happened with, with, with Zeitler, you, know, you, just, you just don't know. I mean, you don't, you don't know how something impacts the head. You don't know how each person reacts to any ding they get on the head. So, you know, when these guys, the, the way the league is now, and rightfully so, they'll be back when they're ready to be back. Sure. And, I guess all I'm saying is I'm not surprised that he's making good progress. You know, that's, that's it. It, it, it. It didn't look like a hit that I knew immediately he was going to be gone. You know, that's that's right. all I'm saying. So I'm not surprised that he's making good progress. It doesn't really matter whether I'm surprised or not. It's good news. Kevin Zeitler's probably our best offensive lineman. Um, and Sterling Shepard looks like he's still limited in practice, but that is he's been playing all along. So relatively healthy. You know, minus that COVID list, very healthy. Um, yeah. Again, it's week, it's a week 11. You know, uh, that's, that's a long time. You know, you're getting through three quarters of the season almost already. People get banged up. You know, other than, you know, the Barkley being the major injury, we've been relatively healthy this year. So, again, let's just hope we keep it up. And, you know, offensively for the Giants, Cincinnati is in a bad spot mainly because, you know, their offensive line isn't very good, but they have some weapons. They have, they seem to have definitely found their quarterback. Their defense sucks. Their defense is not very good. And what I would actually like here, you know, I know – and we've always been saying that running the ball is going to be the Giants' bread and butter this year due to a multitude of things, right? Daniel Jones is a second-year player who is trying to um, you know, get through a new offense. He doesn't have a whole lot of option, uh, uh, weapons. They don't have great pass blocking right now. But they should consider taking some deep shots early, help build a lead, and then lean on the run and just kind of you know, get their way through it because – there is a whole lot to, to be had against this pass defense for Cincinnati. How confident do you feel in this running game if we're up by, let's say, 13 points, 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter? How confident are you in this running game can get first downs, keep the chains moving, keep clock going? Or do you, do you still see this as it's still – complimentary at best and we still gonna have to rely on Daniel Jones to make plays even when we should be leaning more in the running game than we will um I'm not really confident in anything um with 13 <laughs> minutes left with, with, the, with the entire fourth quarter um I'm not I'm not super confident that we can do anything I'm still kind of sitting there clutching pearls oh yeah well that's an assumption but I'm talking about if you know we decide we're going to try to run the ball. You know, is are are you, are you more comfortable with? Are you comfortable with us trying to, you know, slow the game down, or actually, or make the game faster? Actually, by 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 continuing trying to run the ball or or, or what? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm not a big fan of changing your game plan and doing what works. What I'm saying is, you know, I think that running the ball and, and, and you know, I think that is the bread and butter this year. I think that is the game plan. But I just think it. Taking shots early and building a lead right away is good. I, I think yes. if, if they start with running the ball and making that the game plan or whatever, I think they'd still win. Um, and we'll get to predictions in just a second. But, you know, I'm just saying it makes it much more comfortable to do your game plan after you've already built a little bit of a lead. I think that if they're running the ball right off the bat, they're leaning on Wayne Gallman and uh, I don't know if Freeman's going to be back this week or whatever and Daniel Jones with his read option shit – you know, there's still that's the game plan to me. They're still going to throw. I think they're just better off taking those shots early on, building that lead, and then just I pushing that. I one hundred percent agree. I again, I think you, the best way to beat a team with a with a backup quarterback is make them play from behind, constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, don't, don't let them get into comfort grooves. Let don't let them get up by ten or get up by seven, and let them dictate how they want the rest of the game. You get the lead. You grab the bull by the horns. You score first. You, you put pressure on the weaker side of the ball for them, which is their defense. Make them have to react and adjust. I mean, too often this Giants team for the last you know x amount of years has not dictated anything to anybody, and this is this is a good opportunity to dictate something. You know, to your point, let's go out guns a blazing against a bad secondary, against a bad defense. Grab the lead. Let them have to react to it and let them get out of their comfort zone. Yeah. 
Um, that said, prediction time. What, how do you feel about this game? The New York football giants will be in first place. Uh, when we speak, uh, next time we get together, uh, you know, next, whenever we speak again, next Tuesday or so. <laughs> I don't even know what day. Today's Thursday, right? Today's yeah. uh, Thanksgiving. You know, I'm all jammed up with my days. This is our normal recording day, but it feels like it's, I don't know what it feels like a Sunday or, or what, but I, uh, I think they will take advantage of that bad uh, secondary and that bad defense. I think, I think you're going to see Daniel Jones best game of the year. I think you're going to see Daniel Jones throw for more attempts, more completions, more yards, more touchdowns than any other game this year. I think, I think you're going to see this offense actually clicking like you haven't seen click before. Um, I don't know why I feel that. I just do. <laughs> um, give me a Giants winning 35-17 victory. Taking, taking advantage of a backup quarterback who shows some skills but is not ready for prime time to start and be consistently effective against a very good defense that – you know, again, the high, the the headline for the Giants is they have three wins in a very bad division, but is actually, as we said last on our last episode, is playing a lot better in the last couple of weeks than they have than their record overall for the season indicates. I think that defense continues to play well, and again, I'm I'm sticking with that 35-17 victory. So, if if the Giants are going to be in first place come Monday, you are assuming that Seattle is beating Philadelphia. I am assuming Seattle is beating Philadelphia. Same. I think Se- yeah. I think I think Philadelphia is beginning a circling of the toilet. They will be be flushed down the drain, leading to Doug Peterson being fired at the end of the year. That is my bold prediction on this Thanksgiving Thursday night, and that circling starts with the initial flush this Saturday against Seattle. Um, Doug Doug Peterson. And by the way, guys, I have not been drinking one ounce today, so well, that's why. Um, <laughs> that is that is the truth. <laughs> um, I, had, I had a little bit of Jefferson's Ocean today. Good Ooh, stuff, yeah, delicious. Um, I'm with you. I think Seattle beats Philadelphia, and I think the Giants win this game. Interestingly, I had a very similar score as you, thirty-one to sixteen. Um, uh. I, I I do think that there is some. Uh, I, I yeah, I think they. I think we could see maybe not technically Daniel Jones' best game, but he'll look his best. I mean, I think his best yeah. game of the year was last week, but it was more efficient, more game managery. It didn't feel very quarterbacky, and you know that's why nobody was really talking about how great he played. You know, no turnovers. You know, completed what he needs to. Had a couple of deep shots in that third quarter that march right down the field. I think he you're going to play I, well, but I think he'll. This will be a flashier game from him. I, I I think you'll see the combination of his best quarterback rating of the year and the best subjective passing the eye test mm-hmm. this week. And yeah, that, and, and I also predict the media flip on the NFC East is going to be wild this week. You know, oh my God, the Giants might run away with this. Oh, but it's just Cincinnati. But also, you know, they're in first place now, and you know they beat Philadelphia, and they they have the head-to-head in with Washington. All the stuff that Giants fans are kind of already talking about. That's when the national media is going to say it. No, I, I think that more eyeballs saw that Washington game than are going to see this giant game. And I think you're going to see when you get to hot take season next Monday, it's, a lot of it's going to be Washington. But I think it's going to be – well, you know, I, I think we're going to kind of lay low in the national media. I think the story is going to be Washington. <laughs> the story will be Washington good, Dallas bad. Those are your two main stories. And then, oh, Philadelphia circling that toilet. And we're just going to kind of lay low. Lay low just, on, in, uh, on top. And winning and laying low because we don't need this. The NFL is not college football. Perception means nothing. It's all about wins, losses, first place, second place, wild card, not wild card. That's it. There's no polls, no college, no, no playoff committee. It's win. And it doesn't matter. If you win every game by one point or a thousand points, Al Davis said it, just win, baby. And they win Sunday. They are setting up again for the final three weeks of the season. We, got, we, got, we have four after yeah. this. 
they're setting themselves up so they don't necessarily have to win all four of these games. Five. Because I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Five games. Well, I was talking about, I was talking about after. Yeah, no, uh, they're, they're, this is only week 12. Yeah, so think about it. I mean, this team, you know, we're happy in the position they're in. They're still not a very good team. We can't count on any wins ahead. There are teams better than us who we're playing we'll probably lose to. You want to make the season shorter. Beating Cincinnati is one less game we have to worry about, one less game we have to win. We got the tiebreaker at Washington where he said that Dallas, Dallas is fading, Philly's circling the drain. Just win. Just win. And I, I think that will start on Sunday. I agree. Um, and I will be tweeting throughout the game probably, I guess, I don't know, Sunday, 1 o'clock. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump where I will tweet out the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> you can catch me at the Cranky Fan where I will be flying home very early Sunday morning. From Gainesville back to NYC, I will be on my couch by kickoff. Unless, of course, if the Gator game on Saturday is canceled due to COVID, when I will be on this couch all weekend doing nothing. But I am planning on seeing a blowout on Saturday and a significant giant win on Sunday, so I'm very excited. So that's at the Cranky Fan on Twitter. We'll talk about everything. Yeah, and as always, this podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Uh, so be sure to subscribe there for free so that you get all these episodes in your queue the moment you wake up. And um, with that, go Giants! Giants.